Hello and welcome to God's Word in 30 Minutes. Again, it's always an honor to bring God's Word to you. I'm excited. I believe you are. So let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you for clarity, insight, revelation, and truth. We thank you because scales will follow the eyes of our heart as light floods the same. We thank you because we will be established and strengthened in all of, the, of your will to the praise and the glory of your name as your word is taught. Amen. Amen. So last time out, we stopped off in Ezekiel 36. Um, and we are now investigating in the details the consequence of the sacrifice of Jesus upon the heart of the man who has believed the gospel. And I want to say a few things um, about that as we um, proceed before we get into all the nitty-gritty details. It's that when you pay attention to basically what the scriptures teach about the work of the christ one of the things that stands out is that it's to be received by men and so when you read the old testament writings and the epistles as it were and you read about the and you talk think about the christocentricity of the scriptures by that we mean that all the bible put together is centered around the person and the work of jesus what you'd find out by, by jesus would be the christ because jesus is the christ so one and the same what you find out is that all of that is to the end that a man or men would receive and walk in it and so the end goal of all that god did in christ was that men would receive it and men would act and live by it and that's important when we think about these things so when we begin to examine all of these things it's important to realize that god's goal is that man would receive eternal life that's god's goal god's goal is that man would receive his provision and his offer for man that man would consider him true man would receive and when man receives man will now live by what he has received or walk by what he has received and so you find that one of the most prominent instructions in the epistles is the walk instruction that is the is the only chief instruction in the epistles how to walk in the light of what we have now received and i'm jumping the gun but it's just for you to think about you know as you pick up the bible to read because i believe that um one of the things that this this podcast is supposed to help you do is to help you go back to your bible to reread and read in better light just as i believe that by now leviticus 16 should have a bit more value and you should see it in a different light if if you've not seen it like that before i explained it which is which is really why i'm doing what i'm doing i'm not doing it again i'm not doing it to show you that i know anything i'm but a boy <laughs> i'm doing it to the end that you can also understand what i've understood like in the words of paul paul said that uh, my revelation in the mystery i have written so that you read and understand so that that's basically what i mean my understanding i'm just sharing with you um so how would you do that? that that's what i'm doing basically but i want you to understand that everything that god did in christ was to the end that man will receive would receive and then would now walk by what he received and so all the instructions in the epistles are towards that goal that hey you have received this now walk like this you have received this now act like this you have received this now do like this because and this is important i've always said this in church life has to be taught that sounds funny but i'll explain to be alive is one thing to live is another and anybody who 
understands the English language, knows, understands what I'm talking about. Um, when in growing up in the in the Nigerian education system, we used to have this funny joke where we say, "He passed through school, but school did not pass through him." In other words, this person went to school, maybe got a degree, or maybe was senior secondary school or whatever. But the training that you'd expect that a man who has attended such institutions should have, that person does not have. So you say, so we used to say, like I say, he passed the school, he passed through the school, but the school did not pass through him. And so, really, that's what the issue is. That's what the epistles are dealing with. The fact that a man has eternal life, has the spirit of God in him, has received the forgiveness of sins, all of those details I'm going to explain. But now he's not living like it. And so the epistles aim to, quote-unquote now, help the man who is spiritual to see himself as spiritual so that he can walk as spiritual. To help the man who is spiritual, who acts and thinks like a non-spiritual person, or in the words of Paul, a canal person, to begin to think and talk and act as a spiritual person. And so we can basically say that Paul's, Paul's writings to the current church in Corinth was to take them from baby to being mature spiritually and it's the same thing in all of the epistles so the instructions are because of the reality all right the instructions are because of the reality i don't know why i'm saying this but i, I sense that someone is listening to this and there are certain instructions that god has given you and they somewhat look daunting to you but i'm telling you that those instructions are because of the things that he has done and accomplished in your heart by spirit that he is certain of and so on the basis of what he has accomplished and wrought in your heart by spirit he can place certain demands on you and this is again by the way the reason why god has higher demands of the man who has believed the gospel compared to the man who has not believed the gospel is because god knows the strength of what he has done when he by putting his spirit in man we're going to explore all of those things and so on the basis of that, he has the right to make extra demands of the man. Say, hey, you should talk like this and walk like this and think like this. Because there's something there. I put something there. That what I put there should lead, guide, direct, help, aid, strengthen, right? Comfort. And so having said all of that, by the way, we can get right back into the body of what we're talking about so ezekiel and 36 so in ezekiel 36 um which we're using we're referring back to acts in chapter 2 in acts 2 when peter was stood up to teach or preach and they asked him what must we do he said man we said repent and baptize in the name of the lord jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost and um you see we and i told you that it was it didn't mean two very different things. It's those two things happen one at the same time, right? It's not as though God first takes away the, our sins, then after He has taken away our sins, after a while, that says, "Oh, oh, sin did not come back. Now let's put the Holy Ghost there." That's not what He does. Um, it's a, it's in a bit to ex, in a bit to explain exactly what happened. That's why that is all right. So there's a conclusion. There's, and I gave you the. Ex- I use the example of somebody saying, saying um, a woman is in the kitchen and you say she has cooked breakfast or she's made breakfast, and then you say what has she made? Well, she made rice and beans with stew and meat and and all sorts. And then you mention this and that. And you mention this and that. So what you're doing now is that you are giving us the details of everything that could be summarized as she cooked. The same way. You summarize everything Jesus did as 
the sacrifice of Jesus for us. In the details, therefore, we now say, oh, there's the forgiveness of sins and the giving of the Holy Ghost. They're not two different things, all right? If you understand what I mean by that. It's not like there are two really separate things. It's just trying to explain what exactly happened. So in Ezekiel 36, um, from verse 20, 20, Ezekiel 36, yeah, sorry, I was in 35. From verse 26, and I will give you a new heart. It says, in from verse 25, then will I sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I told you to sprinkle clean water is calling pointing the attention back to the Old Testament practice where um, when Moses um, caught when they had the covenant with God and Moses, you know, sprinkled Moses sprinkled blood upon the, the terms of the covenant, the, the law, and then the people. And then you find that. Aaron also sprinkles blood in the most holy place. So to sprinkle and become clean is literally not making sense because I mean, there's no way you're going to sprinkle water on me and that get me clean from whatever I'm dirty from. But this is figurative, all right? This is an illu This is an illustration, not an illusion. Um, this is something that you're supposed to think about. So when it says, "I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean," so sprinkling clean water. Aaron sprinkled blood. He calls it water. Who would address that shortly? I hope so. And so he says, and I'll give you verse 26. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Take away the stony heart out of your flesh or the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you keep my judgments and do them. So if you pay attention to all the details, you'd see what he says. I'll put my spirit within you. So the cleansing is the putting of the spirit. It's not like that God is doing many very things at the same time. He would clean them by putting his spirit within. The putting of the spirit inside is how he cleanses. I'll say that again. The putting of the spirit within is how he cleanses the people. So he says, I'll put my spirit in. In other words, we can say like this, that to when we say a man has received the forgiveness of sins that is offered in Jesus, we can say that the same man has received the spirit of God. And now that's interesting because when you study the writings of the um, writers of the four gospels, the synoptic gospels, like we like to call them, you find a stunning truth in the practices and teachings of the prophet john i know we call him john the baptist but jesus called him a prophet so I, I, I tend to side with jesus the prophet john and in matthew i believe in chapter chapter three now matthew the book of matthew or the gospel according to saint matthew like pastor christian Kilomen likes calling it matthew and chapter two In verse 11, I'll read verse 2 and then we'll go to verse 11. Uh, from verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then, so, you know, it was, and then in verse 5, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, I've always explained this. Confessing their sins here doesn't mean that they all came out to start 
um, saying all the wrong things that they've done and all the sins that they've committed. No, that's not what it means. Confessing their sins really is that by coming to John, they acknowledge that they are sinners. That's that's really what it means. Um, it's not a it's not that John's ministry became a ministry of um, conf- sin confession or like. For the sake of those who understand Yoruba, onka, yeah, onka, that the witch is confessing all the things. So confess, confess, confess. So confess your sins. No, no, no. That's not what it means. Your coming to John to be baptized in Jordan was an acknowledgement that you are a sinner and that you need the forgiveness that John was baptizing in water for. So John baptized in water, and many came to him confessing their sins. Do you understand that now? That's what it means. They came to him confessing their sins. And then in, in, verse, in verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, some translations omit fire, but we're not going to have to do any conversation around that. I want you to see what John says. John says that the prominent thing in the work of Jesus or the Christ is really the baptism of or with the Holy Ghost. The baptism with the Holy Ghost. Language is very important. John said, I baptize with water unto repentance. In other words, I'm trying to deal with the sin problem. I recognize there's a sin problem, so I'm putting you in water to acknowledge that you're sinners and all of that. But hey, this person is going to dip you in spirit. <laughs> That's what they're saying. This is baptized with the spirit. That's what it means. It will dip you in spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And when it dips you in the Holy Spirit, what I'm doing is a type, a figure of what he is going to do. He is going to wash you by the spirit. It's not going to put you in physical water. It's going to be a spirit thing. So if you backtrack to Ezekiel 36, in verse 26, in verse 25, it says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you. In verse 26, it says, I'll put a new spirit in you. In other words, the sprinkling of the clean water is the putting of the spirit. It's not two different things. So the forgiveness of sins which I said is to wash the heart of man so that the man can stand before God. Remember that? Will be that it will simply mean that the spirit will be put in the heart of the man. That's, that's what it means. So it's not possible to say that a man has, it's impossible to say a man has believed the gospel of Jesus, but that the Holy Ghost is not in his heart or that the spirit of God is not in his heart. That's not true. That's not possible. In John and chapter 4, Jesus meets this woman, this Samaritan woman at the well and a conversation ensued and i want you to pay attention to the words of jesus when he asks this woman for water in verse 13 he says jesus answered and said to her whosoever drinks of this water shall test again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him shall never the water that the water shall never test but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life it will become in him a fountain of water springing up onto everlasting life i know kjv is put wells wells of wells of water but it's fountains it's poof poof you know how fountains spring up and put push up from the earth yeah that's what it's saying there's an activity there i would get to that <laughs> it says it says it says will be in him 
the water i'll give him will be in him a well so very clearly jesus uses water to talk about his work he says that that water will be in now in john in chapter chapter five am i am i going to go to five now am i going to five i'm going to seven i'm going to three john three that will go to john seven in john three jesus uses the illustration of water again he says except a man be born of water of course you cannot be born of water do you know what it means to be born of water some people have used this to mean um, water baptism i find that very interesting and very funny because except you don't understand the english words which is almost a very good translation from the from the um greek i must confess but to be born of water means that your origin is water you did not have any beginning or any um any history until they found you in water or when, when you came out of the water so the water is where your beginning began we can say fishes are born in water you cannot say a human being is born in, born of water even fish is not born of water <laughs> is born in water so it's born of water that is born of the spirit so the spirit is the water so when you read ezekiel 36 and says i'll sprinkle clean water it was saying i will give you my spirit do you understand this so the spirit is water in john 7 um verse 37 um that portion of scripture that many many believers like using for themselves even though it has no reference to you as the giver but as the receiver people don't know that in john 7 and in verse 37 on the last day that great day of the feast jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone tests let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart or out of his belly kjb puts will flow rivers of living water and and many people have used this but we'll get back there but verse 9 now but verse 39 but this is spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy ghost was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified so the end goal the result the conclusion the finality of the work of jesus and the sacrifice of jesus is not just to say man's the, the sin of the man who has believed is pardon no 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 is to cleanse the man by putting the spirit of god in the heart of the man i take that again what jesus was going to do what jesus accomplished is to cleanse the man by putting within the heart of the man the spirit of god by putting within the heart of the man the spirit of god the man will be clean and i always like to give this illustration on mount horeb that day when moses saw the burning bush i strongly believe now that was not the first time moses was passing by that spot that was not the first time that moses was on that mountain but that was the first time moses saw god on that mountain and then what did the, what did god tell moses out of the burning bush put off your shoes it's a holy ground moses would have thought i know this place that's a cow dung there and that's a cow dung there that's this shrub and that shrub i know this place how do you tell me this is holy ground but god is present and that place became a holy ground their believer the spirit of god is in your heart so you are holy unto god do you understand this the spirit of god is in your heart so you are his sacred place his sacred place you are his holy place you are his sacred place thank you lord jesus 
You are his holy place. And so the, the work of Jesus was to put the spirit or make the spirit available to indwell man. So any man who says he has believed the gospel of Jesus, what he has invariably meant is that I have believed that he has washed my sins and, and in washing my sins, he has brought me into union with God. In washing my sins, he has made me sanctified, and justified, and purified, and all my sins are washed away. Praise God. And this is a truth, the reality, an unchanging, un irreversible, vital truth. But you must see this very well. It's not just to wash away sins and to pad or to pardon sins. It's to do a permanent work. I will put my spirit within you. So in the Christian faith, we're not, I, I think I said this the last time out, we're not folks who follow a rule book. We are folks who have God's spirit within our hearts to lead and to guide. Now that does not remove the place of teaching God's word or listening to sound teachers or receiving instructions from men who also have the Holy Ghost or who are superior to you as it were in the case of a pastor or an elder or a department leader, whatever the case may be. The, the vital thing is to see and understand that the Christian faith, the vital reality in the Christian faith is that the man who has believed the gospel of Jesus has within his heart the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus sought to accomplish. The man who has believed received the Holy Ghost. So to receive the forgiveness of sins is to receive the Holy Ghost. To receive the forgiveness of sins is to receive the Holy Ghost because it's in the same breath. All right? And that's 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 the important thing. It's in the same breath. It's not two different things. It's in the same breath. The forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the same breath. In the same breath. It's not two separate things. It's in the same breath. So when I believe the gospel of Jesus or I say that I believe the gospel of Jesus or I preach to somebody and the person believes the gospel of Jesus, in that breath, when he says, I believe he died for my sins to give me to to give me forgiveness of sins, in that breath, when he or she says that he died for my sins, he was buried and rose again to give me justification, whatever the case is, in that moment, he no longer is under sin's dominion. Oh, now I've got getting into union. And he's free. He's a free man. He's no longer under sin's dominion. God's spirit is in his heart, leading and guiding. That is the crux of the Christian faith. The crux of the Christian faith is not just that Jesus died. It's not just that he was buried and that he rose from the dead. The crux, right, the big deal about the Christian faith is not just that our sins are pardoned when we sin. The big deal is that in all that he accomplished, he sought to it that God's spirit finds residence in every man. Every man who believes. So now, God, a man who has the spirit of God would definitely need to now find association with other men who have the spirit of God. And that's where we, we now begin to talk about a few more things. But the, the, the thing here is the spirit is the reason for the work the spirit is the reason for the work the big deal with the christian faith is that god's spirit the eternal god the eternal god the unchanging god the eternal one elohim 
Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever word you want to use to describe him. His spirit is in man. That is the big deal with the Christian faith. That, let me say this now, that is what separates the Christian faith from every other faith in the world. The fact that the man who believes the gospel of Jesus is not just another believer in Jesus, but much more than that, is one who has received in his heart the Holy Ghost, the very spirit of the Son of God. In Romans in chapter 8, Paul says, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, the spirit is how God identifies that we are members of his family. Do you, do you understand this? The, the spirit is how he identifies that we are members of his family. That's why the big deal really is the spirit of God in the heart of a man. The forgiveness of sins was the means to the goal. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? That is, when a man sees that God is not angry and he receives that love and compassion that he finds in God, all of that, at that instant, he receives the Holy Ghost. Whether he figures it out immediately or it takes him 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, the honest truth is the moment a man believes the gospel of Jesus, except Jesus is a liar, that moment the man receives the Holy Ghost. Now, of course, you can, you can, we can say this many other ways, but you must get this clear. Jesus died so that man would receive the Spirit. So the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Ghost, one and the same. The forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Ghost, one and the same. So what happened to your heart when you believed the gospel of Jesus? He washed you and put his spirit in you. So when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 now, you can read it with a better light. When he says that such were some of you, but you are washed, you are justified, and you are sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. By the Spirit of our God. In other words, that sanctification was done by the Spirit of our God. Do you understand that? By the Spirit of our God. So all the context must be understood. It's not like there's forgiveness of sins somewhere. And then there's receiving the Holy Ghost somewhere. And so he first practice and end forgiveness of sins then you now go and test and try the who receiving the holy ghost no 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 rather is that both things happen instantaneously a man believes the gospel and his sins are blot out forever not just blot out all the sins that you forget forever seen in his life you find out that they are all blotted out forever but the big deal here is he now needs to receive and acknowledge it acknowledge that my sins are washed I acknowledge that he has given me his spirit I acknowledge that the spirit leads and guides me I acknowledge that there's direction and clarity for me I acknowledge I acknowledge I acknowledge I acknowledge I acknowledge I acknowledge the Christian faith therefore is a walk of acknowledgement where I acknowledge all that God has wrought in Christ for me I see it with my eyes I perceive it with my heart. When I say see it with my eyes, obviously I don't mean physical eyes. I perceive it with my heart. And if I find the confidence and strength in that truth. That God all good in his infinite wisdom sought to put his spirit in man. And he accomplished it in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. So in Peter's sermon, Peter would say, You receive the remission of sins and the gift 
of the Holy Ghost. The giving of the Holy Ghost. The free gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive this. Receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. When this is clear, you'll see that the believer really should not have a struggle with do I have the Holy Ghost? Do I not? Can I live by the Spirit? Can I not? Can I live right? Can I not? But to just wake up every day recognizing that the Holy Ghost is in his heart, leading and guiding, and that gradually he will learn to walk with the Spirit. And that is the crux of the Christian faith. The God became a man that sent his son to die for our sins, and that in his death, burial, and resurrection, he would wash us, and in washing us, he would now put his Spirit in us. I told you one and the same one and the very same so it's important to see that god is not against man god is for us he gave his spirit to show that he's for us he gave his life to show that he's for us and those things that i just said are important as ever in the christian faith is the forgiveness of sins in the same breath the given of the holy ghost Every man who has believed the gospel has received the forgiveness of sins and in the same breath must realize that he has also received the Holy Ghost in his heart. If there is one man, any at all, who does not have the Holy Ghost in his heart and he has believed the gospel of Jesus, then all of us don't have. But praise God, he died to the end that we all would have the Holy Ghost. This is the crux of the Christian faith, that God's spirit will finally find residence in a man and god's dream to have a earth the earth filled with men who are yielded to him and have a spirit would come to pass because we have come to receive that spirit we'll continue this next time out but i want you to take this again and think about it again and find someone to share it with because indeed god's spirit in the heart of a man is the very crux of the Christian faith. See you soon and goodbye.